0: This message is brought to you by this excellent church. We excel at reshaping people's values and reconciling men to God. You're about to hear peace and preach. Be blessed.
1: Lion of Judah, you reign. Lion of Judah, you reign. Lion of Judah, you reign. Lion of Judah, Give you thanks. In Jesus'
0: name we have prayed. Amen. Praise God. Today is the last teaching on the series of charismatics. And we'll be talking about how to exercise the gifts. Praise God. We're talking about how to exercise the gifts. Hallelujah. And um, I know that there's a lot of charlatanism going on out there. I know that there are a lot of charlatans out there doing all kinds of things and doing all kinds of stuff. You know, the context of having a lot of fake miracles and charlatans doing all kinds of things to extort people, to create um, empires for themselves, to make money for the, for themselves. Added with the fact that in practice, in experience, you would notice that there will be there is a kind of gap between the way the scriptures, the book of Acts of the Apostles, talks about these gifts of the Spirit, and the way some people that we respect and we believing in the charismatic circles, the way they also speak about these gifts. Um, There is a gap between that picture that he paints, that picture that acts of the apostles' paints, and what people actually experience in their lives. We hear pastors talking about how they laid hands on someone and the person came back to life. You hear them talk about people that were sick and they laid hands on them, people that had cancer, they came back to life. You hear people talking about all kinds of spectacular things that they can do. And when you look in the scriptures, you see all kinds of things that Jesus did, all kinds of things that the apostles did. But in practice, in the individual lives of people, you will notice that there's a gap. It doesn't seem to be the same way that um, that picture is painted. So when you look at that gap, And then you look at the fact that, you know, you begin to hear stories, you begin to hear stuff, a lot of fake miracles, a lot of pastors that are actually just, you know, a lot of so-called clergymen doing all kinds of fake miracles, orchestrating all kinds of fake um, incidents for miracles to happen. The effect on it is, on people is to ask ourselves that are we sure this thing is really true are we sure this so-called gift of the Spirit thing is really true? And if you are someone that really honors the Word and takes the Word seriously, the effect that will have on you is that you'll begin to have, you begin to look at the Scriptures and begins to skew your intellection with respect to the Scriptures and then that's when you begin to say things like maybe, maybe um, signs and wonders and gift of the Spirit was a thing for a certain dispensation and it's not supposed to happen anymore. You know, you begin to say things like, okay, maybe those things are not for everybody, and it's all about God's sovereignty, in quotes, and how God chooses people that will have, those that don't have, just don't have. And if I don't have, it's because God has not deemed it fit to, you know, give it to me yet. But if we are faithful to the Scriptures, and we stay true with sound doctrine, what we will find is neither of the two. Cessationism is not a justified stance from the Scriptures, is not is simply not justified unless we want to not honor the word. Whatever standard by which, whatever standards by which we can, you know, um, say a doctrine is not um, justified, cessation meets all the standards. There's no reason to say that supernatural things only happen at the time of the apostles. Praise God. Right, and the other side is to say that maybe God you know just gives to those that he wants to give yes obviously there's a dimension of God's sovereignty in the gift of the spirit whereby God actually orders the parts of the body that you will be and the kind of gifts that people will excel in but we also see that the apostles give also a place to our desire and our ability to desire gifts and the ability of elders and you know the pastors and ministers people that carry the grace of God to also impart it on people. It's in the scriptures. We cannot shy away from it. We cannot ignore them. We cannot, you know, um, despise them in order to make ourselves feel comfortable. You know, so there's a performance anxiety with respect to gifts of the spirit that our society and our culture would give anyone who is actually paying attention. There's an absent-mindedness that can make someone to just look at all the charlatans and be shouting and be saying, "Yay, there's power, and just follow it. And, you know, even though in their lives they're not effective or, you know, and people are giving them evidence that those things are not working and even in their lives they're not doing stuff, you know. That's cognitive dissonance. They just use the hype to ignore it, you know. And there's also the absent-mindedness of people who are just simply satisfied with pure emotionalism pure emotionalism, they're just satisfied with that. And they're going about with the hype of emotionalism, all, you know, so no, um, no form or no substance, just form. All form, no substance, up and down. You know, so people are just okay with that. Falling under the anointing, shrieking and gasping, vomiting stuff, and doing all those kinds of things, and nothing is actually happening in their lives. You know, like, um, you know, like Dr. Michael Brown said in his book, how that he got to a point in the charismatic circles in America, he wrote a book about it, correct anybody, in his defense against the Calvinists, when John MacArthur wrote a book, and he wrote a book in defense. He said something that book very interesting. He said, of all the people who can divide, defend Pentecostalism, he is one that can defend, because for years, he has been complaining about the excesses of emotionalism, right, how it got to a point where people were literally gathering meetings with hundreds of thousands of people, and everybody was falling under the anointing, and everybody was laughing and crying, but no headache was being cured. No actual cancer was being healed. No actual cripple was standing. So you have meetings, believers meetings, where you guys come and you fall, and you fall, and you fall, and you fall. Every time you are falling, but nobody's life is actually being changed. All those kinds of things can jade a person's heart and begin to skew the way you look at things and make you want to, you know, look at the scriptures in a way that you shouldn't, right? But the scriptures are clear, the scriptures are clear. The gifts of God, the gifts of the Spirit have been given to us and we can exercise them, we can walk in them, they are given to us for us to enjoy, it is a result of God's compassion towards us. Like we said in the previous services, it's a result of God's compassion towards us, you know. God sees needs in our life and He uses the signs and wonders to heal, to so do things and meet those needs. You know, it's also an evidence that salvation is in a place. It's an evidence that the kingdom of God is in a place. Wherever the kingdom of God is, there will be power because the kingdom of God is not in word, it's in power. So for that reason, right, we cannot also shy away from the truth. So we're going to look at God's word in its, in its simplicity and you know what? This actually, these things I'm going to talk about today are actually very simple. And I believe so much that if you pay attention, one of the things that will happen to you is that every kind of burden or fear or anxiety with respect to exercising the gift of the Spirit, it will fall. It will fall off you, right? It will fall off you. And at the same time, you will find out that if you give yourself to them, you will find out that these things will begin to come out of you effortlessly. The gifts that God has given to you to excel in You begin to have them, you know, you begin to do them effortlessly. And if you if there's a need where you are, if there's a need to if there's a need where you are, for you to um, appropriate certain gifts of the spirit, the ability to appropriate them and manifest them, you'll also find it easy for you to also do. Praise the Lord. Church, are we together? It's worthy of note that gifts of the spirit are such are such a thing that it's like a self fulfilling prophecy. Gifts of the Spirits are a kind of self fulfilling prophecy. A church that does not believe in gift of the spirit will not see gift of the spirit. And the more they don't see gift of the spirit, the more they'll believe there are no gift of the spirit. Do you, do you understand that? So it's like a mutually reinforcing thing. So it will be like so in such a gathering, people in that gathering will believe and they will have every reason to believe that there's no such thing as gift of the spirit. <laughs> Funny, but it's true. At the same time, if you're in a gathering of people that believe in the gift of the Spirit, they will see gifts of the Spirit. And the more they see gifts of the Spirit, the more they will believe in gifts of the Spirit. So if you're a skeptical person that doesn't believe in gifts of the Spirit, you won't see it. We're going to look at it now, you'll understand. Right? You won't see it. If you don't believe in gifts of the Spirit, you will not see it. Is something that has to be received, and if, if the, the more you don't see it, the more you say it does not exist. Hallelujah! Church out together. So, let's read. So the first thing I want to tell you four things, four things that will enable you to exercise the gift of the Spirit. Four things. First thing. First thing that must settle in your heart and you must accept and must be settled in your in your mind, till it enters the fabric of your consciousness is that the power for these miracles, for power, for signs and wonders, it does not come from you. It comes from God. Hallelujah. The power for signs and wonders are not your own. You did not generate them. You did not create them. You are only a conduit. It is not your own. It is of God. Second Corinthians chapter 3. Second Corinthians chapter 4, I'll just start, no, not take it gradually. Second Corinthians chapter 3 verse 4, such confidence we have through Christ before God, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God and he has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter but of the spirit, for the letter kills but the spirit gives life the competence to be ministers of this new covenant. This new covenant that the scriptures tell us are attended to, are witnessed by the signs and wonders and various gifts of the Holy Spirit. The ability to be a competent minister of that new covenant, the Bible tells the Apostle Paul tells us, that competence is from God. God is the one that gives the competence to do this stuff. God is the one that gives competence to do this stuff. There is a skewing, there is a kind of misemphasis whereby people can say things like, I heal the sick. As long as you know what you are saying. If you mean it in the sense that the power is of you, right? If you mean it in the sense that the power is of you, then you are wrong, you are in heresy. If you mean it in the sense that God has used you, then you are okay. We'll look at the scriptures now, we'll see what the apostles said. We'll see their speech with respect to these things. Apostle Paul said, this power is not of you. It's also the reason why certain kinds of teachings of faith that induce anxiety with regards to not performing are also unscriptural. In the sense that if you lay hand on someone and the person does not recover, and you are feeling bad and disappointed in yourself, as if you did not perform, then you have you have missed the whole point, because it also means that if that person became healed, you will take the glory. Do you understand that? You lay hand on someone and the person did not recover. In quotes, granted that the person did not recover. You lay hands on someone that's dead and the person did not recover. You were at a point and you were trying to see if you would get a word of knowledge for somebody and the thing did not come. And then you start having performance anxiety. You start feeling bad and you're feeling disappointed in yourself. That Why couldn't I do it? Is something wrong with me. What do you mean? Does that mean that if you heal the person, you will praise yourself? So both the anxiety and the boasting are heretical. Do you see that? Both the anxiety and the boasting are heretical. Get to a point where you start competing. "Ah, I laid hands on the uh, two blind people and their eyes open. I I laid hands on three blind people and I'm looking for, you know, and all that. So, and then you now begin to get to that point where you begin to have this funny picture that the power is of you. If you get to that point, that is wrong. That's error. Look at where he puts it earlier 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 16 it says to one where an aroma that brings death to the other an aroma that brings life and who is equal to such a task right because who can we cannot who can do that kind of thing who can be a minister of the gospel nobody who can be a minister of the gospel nobody that's why till today, I cringe when people say, and those that know me know. I cringe when people try to say, um, you know, try to ascribe any kind of um, unique, or as, try to ascribe any kind of praise or commendation with respect to um, the things of the ministry. I cringe because, because there, is no, there is no way to pretend. You can't even pretend and say there's something about you that is cool. You know that you're not equal. You're not up to the task. You know that there's nobody that is equal for such a thing. We are not. I know. So my my default reaction, and which will always be my default reaction, is to cringe because it is not of me. I can't pretend that I'm somehow good. I'm nothing good. Stretch out together. Let me show you something very interesting. Let's, let's use the examples of the apostles. Let's watch their conduct and copy them and see the way they spoke. Acts chapter 3, from verse 1. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John, about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He said, what I have, I give unto you. But what did he say he has? He says, in the name of Jesus, in, by the authority of Jesus, I see. So what he's doing is that he's appealing to the authority or the delegated platform that he's standing on in the name of Jesus. So if you say, I'm the one that healed the sick, you have to know what you are saying. Are you saying it in the sense of, I am standing in the name of Jesus? Hmm. Let's go. Verse 7. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong, and he jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them to the temple called Walking and Jumping and Praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple called Beautiful and were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Verse 11 While the people held on to P- Peter and John, all the peop- while the man held on to Peter and John, All the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. And when Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? Why are you staring at us as if it's by our own power? or our own godliness that we made this man walk hallelujah standing on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets no man is justified to either feel bad or to feel good that the power to heal came from him or did not come from him what does that mean? That means if you are going to heal the sick, if someone is sick behind, be, beside you, you lay hands on the person and you pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, heal this child. Even when Jesus was doing miracles, he spoke in the name of his father. He will say, Father, I give you thanks because you hear me. When all the apostles or they went to go and raise this dead and all that, they prayed to God. When Elisha and Elijah, when they were healing the sick, they prayed to God. They prayed to God. And this is the reason why systematization is very important. People mix things up. The, 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 The believer's disposition towards demons is not the same disposition towards sickness and disease. Usually if the sickness and disease are not caused by demons and are organically influenced, do you know why? Both of them have two different sources things that come from demons have come from a place where there's absolutely no authority. So when you tell a demon to get out in the name of Jesus, you are speaking from that authority that they don't have any place. There's no negotiation. They have to leave immediately. But Romans chapter 8 tells us that God is the one that subjected the earth on purpose to futility. So God created us with mortality in our bodies. So organic sicknesses are not things that you just... Say, I cast you out in the name of Jesus. As if you are the creator of the body. As if you are the one that subjected the world in futility. No. You don't tell someone that is dead, rise up and then I pray. But all those things that we do, all those things that we call divine um, believers authority, but are not really the believers authority. They are just some kind of narcissism. No. Someone is sick, you lay hands on the person believing in God, we'll come to that now, believing in what God has said, receiving what God has said as he has said it. And you say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, driven by compassion, you say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, by your power, heal your son, heal your daughter. We declare that this person is healed in the name of Jesus. Church all together. Do you understand that? The power is not of you. That thing must sink in. It must sink in. Now, that means also, because we are teaching, that also means in practice that when you lay hands on someone and you say you are healed in the name of Jesus, or you are standing before a church and you desire in your heart that you want to know something and it seems like as if nothing is coming, or come come to that, right? Your response cannot be to feel bad. Do you understand that? because the power is not of you. Your response cannot be to feel bad. Your response is to keep believing in the owner of the power, that he will do something because he said he will do something. You can't start looking at yourself and feeling bad. And that's why you cannot be afraid of what people will see. You cannot be having performance anxiety, that people will say something negative about you. Why would someone say, "Are are you a performer? Is he he, he performing? Are you dancing like Michael Jackson? It is not your power. So people can say whatever they want to say, it is not your power. That's why you see Elijah will do the kind of things that he did. And guess what? His confidence was that the person that sent me will do his thing. So why will you not be feeling bad? The moment you start getting scared, like the children of bow, maybe you are a child of bow. Do you understand what I just said to you now? You can't be having performance anxiety of what people will see. You show up in a place and people are planted there and there's a sick person there. You lay your hands on the person and you the person. The person that sent you will do his thing. You can't be afraid that he, what if he does not come to you? Is he your power? Are you a child of Baal? (laughs) The God of Israel will answer by fire. Your own is to lay hands on the person and trust God. So all those feelings of Uh, ah, that feeling of that that feeling and that anxiety that now even prevents you from practicing it as you should is not necessary look at Acts chapter 4 look at after the apostles were persecuted go to verse 23 it says on their release Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priest and the elders had said to them when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayers to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plots in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers bound together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city. To conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Hallelujah. He says, stretch out your hand to heal and to perform signs and wonders. This is is how Christians pray because they know it's God that will do it. So their confidence was in God. That's why the place was shaking. That's what faith is. Hallelujah. Their confidence was in God, not in themselves. You say, Lord, stretch forth your hand. So that's the kind of things that you see. you see, Lord, stretch forth your hand. Lord, do stuff on our means. Hallelujah. I mean, it's very important that we understand it. Even the ability to speak in tongues is by the utterance that the Holy Spirit gives. That's why it's called praying with the Spirit or praying in the Spirit. Acts 2 verse 4. The Bible tells us that all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them as the Spirit enables them. So even speaking in tongues is by the power, is by the enablement of the Holy Ghost. It's by the enablement of the Spirit. So, it's funny when you want to begin to speak in tongues and you are thinking and saying, um, this word that is coming to my mouth is, it doesn't sound like me. It doesn't sound like me. I don't, I don't understand it. There's still the mentality of feeling that you are the one enabling yourself to speak in tongues. Speaking in tongues is done that when you are praying in the Spirit and you open your mouth to utter, whatever comes out of it is tongues. So you don't come and be picking your syllables and everything. You let it flow out of you because it's the Holy Spirit that is doing the enablement. You don't begin to calculate and say, "I'm, I'm looking for syllables. You want a syllable to come to your mind. Ki, ko, ra, zi, kateli. You are looking for it to show up. No. Praise God. Hallelujah. We're all together. First Corinthians twelve. Verse four. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of walking, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. See, it is God at work in me. It is God that is at work in me. Hallelujah. So it is God that is at work in you. God is the one at work in you, not yourself. You are not competent of yourself. God is the one at work in you. Stop feeling Anxiety and performance anxiety. God is the one at work in you. Let's go of your burden and fill your free your heart for God. Let it go for God. Let it go. The burden you are carrying to perform as if it is of your own power is a needless burden. And guess what? That burden will prevent you from doing what you should do. Put it all together. Romans chapter 12, there's absolutely no justification to think of it as if it's from you. Verse three says, for by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each one of you. For just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, So in Christ, though we we are many from one body, and each member belongs to the other, we have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then encourage. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Hallelujah. So God is at work in you. God has given you the grace of God. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to. Hallelujah. Praise God. Church, all together. That is the basic mentality that you must have with respect to gifts of the Spirit. That is the basic mentality that you must have with respect to gifts of the Spirit. In exercising it, Now, in in exercising the gift of the Spirit, in practice, in in exercising the gift of the Spirit, the first thing that you must understand, or the first thing that you must have, is to believe in God. (laughs) You must believe in God. Believe in what God has said. Faith is not to move Jesus. You know we see those kinds of things. Faith is not to move God. Faith is to receive God. Faith is not to move God. You cannot move God. You cannot move God. No, faith is to receive what God has prepared. Faith is to receive God's provisions is to accept what he has done is to appropriate what he has done and what has he done with respect to gift of the spirit only very clear john chapter 14 verse 9 jesus answered don't you know me philip even after i have been with among you such a long time anyone who has seen me has seen the father how can you say show us the father anybody that believes in me so what is faith in this case with respect to the scripture faith is jesus has said all the people that believe in me what i have done what i have done they will be able to do and even more just accept what jesus said accept what jesus has said so that means that if you believe in if you believe in jesus that means you have the capacity inside of you to do miracles. If you don't believe this, it begs the question of what do you believe in scripture? If you can't trust Jesus for this because you have lived in a context or an experience that, you know, suits certain kind of beliefs, then what do you believe? Then what will Jesus say that you will accept? Hmm. Here I just said that. If you can't accept Jesus when he says this, What will you accept? Jesus said, those that believe in me will do this. What do you want to say? We talked about Mark chapter 16, have we? And we talked about why Mark chapter 16 can be dependent on. Let's open Mark chapter 16. verse 17, and these signs will accompany those who believe. So among the people that believe us, you'll be seeing these kinds of signs among them. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands and they will will drink deadly poison and it will not hurt them at all. They will lay their hands on sick people and they will get well. These signs will be seen among people that believe. Believe Jesus. Receive what he has said. Look at something very important, Mark chapter six. So let me paint the picture of what happened in Mark chapter six properly for you. Because people read Mark chapter six and they misunderstand it to mean that the reason why Jesus could not heal things, people here is because people, these people did not have faith. And when they define faith, they will now move away from the picture of faith that was painted here. And they move into another picture of faith that means that to believe in your heart desires, if you don't believe in your heart desires, God will not do them. And that's another backdoor to legalism. Do you know that? Do you know that? <laughs> Any kind of belief in miracles that depends on your performance is another kind of legalism. If you ever get to the point where you find yourself saying where you find yourself saying something like their faith was not strong enough. That's why they could not do miracles. In legalism, that's not faith. What exactly happened in Mark chapter 6? Look at it. Verse 1. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath day came, he began to teach in the synagogues, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things? They asked. What's this wisdom that he has? Um, that he has, that has been given to him. What are these remar- remarkable miracles he's performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is without honor, is not without honor, except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there, except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of what? Belief. So what was their lack of belief? They did not receive him. Ah, Do you see that? Do you see that? Their lack of faith was that they did not receive him. Their lack of faith was not that they did not have desires that they wanted to make to happen. Their lack of desires was Jesus showed up. I want to do things. And he did not receive him. Everywhere you see signs and wonders done by Jesus, where Jesus prays someone's faith is based on the fact that not that the person used his, this the sheer force. People think that faith is a matter of strong will. My will is stubborn. I know how to believe that's not what faith is about. Everywhere Jesus prays faith, it's actually something... The faith, the picture of the faith is not that strong-headed ram that I'm rolled onto this thing. I will never forget will be, ah, my desire. No. Whenever you see the faith, the posture of the faith in these people is actually something more like humility. It's not strong-headed, it's humility. It's meekness. Jesus has said this. Jesus is doing things. I've observed Jesus doing this. I will accept that he can do it for me also. The woman with the issue of blood, after I tweeted at him some time ago, I think I've taught you guys, she was not the first person to touch the hem of his garment. She had already observed that a lot of people had been touching his hem and had been getting healed. So, what was she doing? She was just receiving what Jesus had been doing. Faith is not getting Jesus to do something, faith is receiving what Jesus is doing. So, your faith is, is dependent on Jesus' disposition to you. It is not your, you getting Jesus to do something. Do you understand that? So, in the same way, when someone is sick, you don't go there with the mind of, don't worry, I will say that now. You don't go there with the mind of, um, I, I I will make Jesus heal you. I believe in Jesus and I will get Jesus to heal you. No. Someone is not crippled. You now say, you are looking at a person and your mind is, ah, me, I will make Jesus to heal you. That's not what you are doing. What you are doing is, Jesus loves you. Jesus wants to heal you. And I receive what Jesus is doing in your life. Therefore, in the name of Jesus, Father, heal your child. Is that simple. Do you understand? <laughs> Their lack of faith was that they did not receive God. That's why people misunderstand the story of that um, woman. They make it sound like as if the woman's agidi, her stubbornness, and tenacity is what she used to move Jesus. No, she didn't move Jesus. Jesus was always going to heal. You no, know she did. That's why what she said was, Even the children, I mean, even the dogs can eat of the food of the distance. So, what she was doing, she was appealing to a provision. Do you understand that? She was receiving a provision. What is the provision? Jesus will heal such that there is no way it can be bad. Anybody who desires it will also enjoy of it. So what she was doing was she was appealing to a provision. And Jesus does not change his mind. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. How you will know is this. Was Jesus not healing Romans before he healed the Seraphatia woman? Was he not healing Romans? He had been healing Romans from the beginning. The Roman child is not, he was not a Jew. And Jesus healed him. Multiple people that were not Jews. That were not, if you even read the story, the Bible says that they brought people from all over. You think all the people they brought from all over were only Jews. So when the woman was saying that I know that even dogs will heal, she was not saying it from the point of this has never happened before. I will move Jesus to change his mind. It's what Jesus has been doing since. You see, what Jesus' response was is similar to what God did with Balaam. I mean, Bala, yes, Balaam. Where he went to and ask Jesus that time. Um, where I went to ask God that um, Should I go and cross the Israelites? And, you know, God asked him, what did they say? <laughs> when God is asking you questions or saying those kind of things, it's not because God doesn't know what he wants to do. It's because he's using you as a teaching moment. You know what I just said now? When God is asking questions, he's not asking questions because he does not know. When Jesus said, um, get behind me, dog, um, I am, I, the, the food for the dog, it's not that Jesus, was, Jesus knew what he was going to do. It was a learning moment for all of us. Do what I just said to you now? When, Jesus, when God told Abraham to God sacrifice his son, both Abraham and God, they both knew that Isaac would not die. But all of us, we've learned from it. Both Abraham and God, they both knew that Isaac would not die. The Siphonation was not the first Gentile that Jesus would heal. Jesus has been healing Gentiles since day one. So that's what faith is. Faith is receiving what Jesus has said. What has Jesus said about the gift of the Spirit? What have the apostles said about the gift of the Spirit? He said that the Spirit is at work in us that the power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in us. He says that those that believe me will also do these things. Just believe it. Do you hear what I just said to me? Believe him. So, when someone is sick, that fear of, can I heal the sick? If you are not You don't know God. That fear of, will, will I heal this person? It's because you don't know God. I know that there are a lot of people that have had a lot of disappointments. We are still coming to those. We'll still talk about the remaining two things. Maybe that's why I should round up stuff. Maybe that's why I should round up stuff. So we'll talk about people who have been disappointed later on. Hallelujah. Church, together. So what's the first thing I said to you? Recognize that the power is not from you, isn't it? Second you is to have faith in God. Believe in God. The third thing I'm going to say is that you should have a desire Driven by love. Notice what I said. Have a desire for it. Have a desire to do miracles. But that desire must be driven by love. It must be driven by compassion. It must be driven by compassion. 1 Corinthians. Chapter 14. Verse 1 says, Follow the way of love. And eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. So Apostle Paul says you should eagerly desire, so you can desire the gifts of the Spirit. You can desire to do miracles. So God allot[s] according to members of the body, but when there's a need, you can desire it. And guess what? What, what? what drives your desire? What desire drives your desire for it is, to, is the way of love. That means to meet the need of people. So the reason why it's better to prophesy is because when you speak in tongues, you're speaking in tongues for yourself, people cannot be blessed by it. But if you are love conscious, if you are thinking of the need of people, what you will find is that you are eager to prophesy mm-hmm. to their lives. So you cannot desire to prophesy. You desire that God, I give me a word to change this person's life. Lord, give me a word that I will say to this person, that will turn this person's life. The person is in a place of confusion. Say, Lord, give me a word of wisdom to touch this person. This person is uncooperative. This person is not talking to us, and we know there's something. Lord, supernaturally enable us to know what is in this person's mind. God will just give you. If you are desiring it to prove a point, you will not see anything. You are like the evil, adulterous nation of the Pharisees. That desire must be from a place of love. Look at First Corinthians 12. Look at verse 31. Just scroll up. You see, it says, Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. And yet, I will show you the, more, the most excellent way. So the most excellent way to desire the best gifts. The way to desire the best gifts is in chapter 13, verse 1. If I speak in tongues of men, non angels, but I do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Do you see that? So, the way to desire gifts, the best way to desire gifts, the way you will desire gifts that it will work and it will come, is that it is desire driven by compassion for people, not to prove a point. If you start looking for gifts to prove a point, that's when you start seeing things that are lies. You start seeing things that are lies. Before you know it, you start cooking fake miracles. Before you know it, you start receiving praise for fake miracles that did not actually happen. Before you know it, it's because of the atmosphere of the way things are, and your people love you and they want to help you, One person will be pretending that her head is pain and she has, her headache has gone, but the headache has not gone. If you create an atmosphere of building, of making a point, do you understand what I'm saying to you? If you create an atmosphere in a church where people are doing these things to prove a point, to show the power of God, to show the power how gifted the pastor is, what will happen is that if you lean on a person and the person's headache is not gone, the person will not be able to tell you that my headache has not gone. Because a person will be afraid of washing her pastor or his pastor. But if you build an atmosphere of doing that thing to people based on their need, who know that is the need, you will find that actually, the, our, even our body posture in praying for the sick, it changes. <laughs> even our physical posture in the way we pray will change. There's something that you see if you, if, if you are into church history and all that. One of the things that you see is that, like when the Christians were being persecuted and all that, when they have someone that is very sick or they are at the point of persecution or something like that happens, one of the things that they used to do a lot is that they, they, the Christians would kneel down together and hold hands and pray. When someone is sick, they usually put the person in their middle. They will kneel down around the person and hold down hands and pray to God to heal the person. That posture, physical posture, is radically different from what we do. Now, we stand over people as if it is of us. Now, I'm not saying that posture is wrong in itself. But the heart is betrayed by posture. Christians kneeling down around a sick person and looking up to God for God to heal the person, it tells you how they are thinking. In that kind of posture, if the person is still sick, that means, please don't stop praying because this thing never goes. Because nobody's proving a point. So you can stay in prayer for that person because it is compassion driven prayer. But if it is a man that says, Ha, if I'm not here today, God did not call me. You know that if you are praying for one person and the person does not come, Stand up. You know that the, 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 the subconscious psychology, the psychology in that place will be that even the person that is not healed will not want to show that they are not healed. Because the next thing that will happen is that such a man will now say it's because you don't have faith. There is a lot of blaming the victim in charismatics. There is a lot of it, to be honest. We blame victims a lot. Should I get what I'm saying? It's important you understand this. Whole. All of Jesus' miracles were compassion-driven. Jesus did not have to prove a point. All his miracles were compassion-driven. Matthew 14, Matthew 15. Even down to the food they were eating. Like I told you guys last week, just to see people and you'll see that these people are God. see, so many sick people. You see, he was moved with compassion and He healed them. I say people are hungry. can't just leave them. They've been following me for days. They're starving. I don't want them to faint on the way. That scripture, those two two scriptures, it changed my mindset with regards to even the way I view a lot of things. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Look at when um, Zacchaeus, when Lazarus died, he wept with them. His heart was compassionate towards them. And he said, Father, I thank you because you always hear me. So that when the guy even came back, he said, You people should quickly remove this from him and give him food. Because he's thinking of the person, his mind is with the person. Not to prove a point, not to grow the church. That's why you'll be able to stay in prayer for some people. That they're not here to stay in prayer because we're thinking of them. And everybody can be vulnerable in the church. There will never be a temptation to become a charlatan. There will never be a temptation to begin to see funny things. There will never be a temptation that you will notice that when you're in a meeting and you're laying hands on people and they're not falling under the anointing, you start feeling bad. <laughs> You ever find yourself at that point? You're not, you not doing anything. You are just there doing theatrics. You lay hands on a person, and that person did not fall down. You're not thinking of the person, you are thinking of yourself. Receive it. Receive it. In your mind, the folder. Receive it. In your mind, you know you are trying to engineer emotionalism. You are trying to engineer emotionalism. You are not thinking of the person. You are not thinking of the person. The biggest miracles I've ever had in my life eh, always miracles where the person's case would Jamila When someone's matter is pinning you, ha, when you pray from the place of a person's matter is pinning you or more power of the flow. God uses you. I'm telling you. <laughs> there was one brother like this. No Some of you might know this story. It comes from a family where they have congenital heart defects. He had a brother that died of heart issue. He's still alive today. He had a brother that died of heart issue. He had um, um, hypertrophic um, cardiac myopathy. Remember then, when he would talk about the issue, went to the hospital, they did ECG. ECG was showing all the, you know, ischemic heart disease because heart was getting too big and all that. And <laughs> now the guy heard the word and received the word that I communicated and went back to the hospital. The blood pressure changed. He sent me the ECG report, I was shocked. The day I was giving a testimony, I started crying. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not joking, though. No. As I give it, I could not control myself. I started crying. When that happens, when that is the right mindset that you have, you don't have performance anxiety. You're not afraid because you are thinking of the person. And that is also the reason why you will not find yourself saying things like, This person is sick, he must not go to the hospital. We must heal him here. What's that? Why are you trying to impress? Somebody is sick, somebody's pain. You say no, that you must heal. The healing must come from a person cannot go to the hospital. You are not thinking of the person. You are obviously not thinking of the person. There's no compassion in your heart towards that person. It's similar to after Jesus, he raised Lazarus from there and (laughs) said, Come on now. Lazarus, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Lazarus, come on, just bounce, bounce, bounce turn your back. See, you guys will take care of him. Feed him before he faints back and dies back. (laughs) It means someone is sick. You pray for the person. The person does not seem to recover. We go to the hospital. We sit down by your bedside in the hospital. We pray for you. All these things that I've been calling believers' eh, authorities, there. Yeah. <laughs> All these things. Let me show you something. James chapter five. See so, you. James chapter five verse thirteen. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. So you see the context. Follow the context though. We we'll see how we used to quote some verse out of context now. And the prayer of, offered in faith will, um, will make the sick person well and the Lord will raise him up and if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and what? Effective. What is the context of effective prayer of righteous beings who available? What is the context? The context is believers confessing to one another, looking out for each other, praying for each other. That is the context. So, The fervent prayer is driven by compassion towards one another. If anybody is sick amongst you, let them gather. The others are let them pray. So the effect of fervent prayer of a righteous man that we always say is made available is in the context of compassion towards other believers. When he now goes ahead to give the story of Elijah being a human being, he was talking about how much the power can come from this kind of Christian community where people have compassion towards each other. A Christian com- a community where they have compassion towards each other and they pray for each other, even if nobody is healed, so called supernaturally, is better than a meeting or a community where people are trying to heal by flexing themselves. Guys, can you hear what I'm saying to you? Your desire must be driven by compassion. So you can desire it. You can desire it, but it be from compassion. This is one of the reasons why people are trying to desire stuff. You see someone with a board of knowledge and you desire it. But the reason why you desire it is not because you want to use it for anything. You don't want to use it for anything. You just like how spectacular it looked on that man of God and the way it looked spectacular on that man of God made you also want to do it. So when you are desiring it, you are not thinking of, I desire this thing so that I can um, help someone. You are desiring it because you want to flex. You want to feel good about the power of God inside of you. That has never been a reason for anybody to do anything. This is one thing that people don't know, that people don't come to, um, take advantage, don't tend to notice, is that people can actually have good... Christian conduct and relationship and time on the earth without ever having any gift of the spirit. You don't know. Gifts of the spirits are not by force. There are a lot of Christians doing fine, doing well, strong in God, doing evangelism, and they are strong. They don't expect any supernatural healing. They, if you someone seek you, say, Lord, we thank you because He's coming. And they are having a good, strong, they will put Pentecostals to shame. Do you understand that <laughs> so if that is possible why will our entire subconscious desire for gifts to be about flexing our christianity you don't need that to show how strong you are as a christian you don't no so, to get what I'm saying. so it will never happen you guys will never see me trying to make any of you fall under the anointing and I'll set leg for you, I'll put that on your leg and put my leg behind yeah. you and you, you fall down. God, <laughs> it will never happen. Never. It must be compassion. Church, I was together. So you desire it, you can desire it. So that's what is driving your desire. Don't say one word of knowledge. Why? Don't say, I want Word of Knowledge. I want Word of Wisdom. Don't say that. Don't say, don't think like that. If you are thinking like that and you are hearing this message, I want you to remove it from your mind. Don't say, ah, Pastor Sam has said, he's going to teach us how to do this thing, say, I've been desiring Word of Knowledge for three years and that Word of Knowledge has not come. Don't say that. That's not what gifts of the Spirit are for. Let me tell you what should happen. Change your mindset and start looking out for people. Start looking out for people. Actually start loving people in church. Start praying for people. Like you see a brother, you say, what's the problem? You pray for the person and see what will happen in your life. Start actually looking at someone. person looks downcast after church. I and meet the person and pray for the person. See what will happen. See what will start coming out of you. Church all together. Lastly and finally, see, if you follow these things I'm saying, if you follow these things I'm saying, eh, you will see things in your life that you cannot deny. You will see things in your life, like me now. Me now. Me that I'm a doctor, and my normal instinct is to be skeptic. Me, that I've seen diseases being healed. You know, like, we don't have to And that's why that people argue that it's not possible. I've seen things. I've seen things. <laughs> if you can follow this thing, eh, you will be delivered. You will see things in your life. And all the negative emotions that you attach with things like miracles, it will go. First Timothy chapter 4. And finally, and this is the final thing that you do. This is the final thing that you do. Are you with me? You have to Patiently exercise the gifts. That means you persevere and continue patiently to exercise them. You keep exercising them patiently. You don't see the first day I f- someone f- fell sick. I prayed for the person from compassion, but nothing happened, and that's the end. That's not what you do. You keep exercising it. There's a place for exercise. How It actually works but I don't know how it actually works that exercise makes you better I don't know since it is God that does it and God does not need exercise isn't it and at the point when you're doing it you believed I don't know but what I have seen and what God's Word says is that when you keep at it you get better and better and better look at first Corinthians Timothy chapter 4 Look at verse 14. He says, do not neglect your gifts which was given you through prophecy when the body of the elders laid hands on you. So you can desire a gift and they can give it to you. Do you understand that? Look at verse 15. Now it says, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Church are together. So you have been giving gifts. Give yourself to those gifts. People by themselves will see your progress. They will find that you are getting better and better. When you see someone and your heart is well with compassion towards them, right? And they have a problem in their life, a difficult situation. My father is doing this, my father is doing that. I don't know how to go about it. The first time you might not really have a good idea, the word of wisdom might not come, but you keep at it you just find out one day that the Holy Spirit will just be supplying wisdom to you. Sophia from the throne of heaven, where you will just talk to the person. And the person will do what you said and their life's problem will be solved. You, the more you do it, the more you do it, you'll find out that you go to a meeting. And that's why there's also the, um, the part of desire among the people you are talking to. So you go to a meeting where people have strong desire for God to minister to them. You pick up on that desire and you have compassion towards them. You will just find out that things will just be coming to your mind. You just find yourself saying, ah, you because of how much you, do, you want to bless them, you just find yourself saying, ah, there is a, a Tayo here. Ah, there is a Daniel in this place. God wants to do something in your life. I don't know what it is, so but God just said, I should tell you that you should not worry. Person will shout and jump up. Thank you. Your mind is pure towards the person, and the person has it. The Holy Spirit will be moving. <laughs> should I go together? So you keep practicing it. You keep at it. You persevere. You stay in it. You stay in it. You don't pray once. You don't pray twice. You don't pray three times. You stay in it. You stay in it. Someone is sick and you're laying hands on the person, you don't say, we'll lay hands on the person the first time. Ah, you take the person to the hospital, admit the person, you'll be going every day to go and pray for the person. That's what I just said now. You keep praying, because there will be an answer. God will show up. God will do it. There is no man that God has ever left that you, because God himself has compassion towards you. So there is no man that something is going on in their life and God will just be looking at them and he will not heal them. He will not see anything. He will just leave them to be suffering. Except they're not hearing. So what you do is that you keep praying for the person. You keep praying for the person. What will happen is that eventually something will happen. God will send the word. A healing will come. So shall I get what I'm saying? So what you do is that you persevere? That's what Christians do is one of the things that our skewing of teaching of faith has made us to lose appreciation for. This idea of, I can get God to do things, so that kind of gives us a feeling of, I can get things to happen now, 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 now. The crusades, everybody must be healed now, 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 now. now. Everybody in the crusade must be healed now, now, now. You see, let me tell you this Let me tell you, to read through the scriptures. What you'll find here is that the, because of the way our world is, right, of the way the world is. How exactly and why exactly it requires practice and patience over time I do not know. But you will see, that's the lesson. Look, look chapter 18. Look chapter 18. Then Jesus told his disciples a, prayer, a parable to show them that they should always pray and mm-hmm. not what, give up. And then he went on to tell them the parable. So the parable of the woman and the woman kept praying so why exactly maybe jesus will show us in heaven one day and i'm not even going to go to bother and pretend that i say i tell you the supernatural eternals, mysterious reasons why it happens i don't know what i can tell you from god's word is that there are many things in this our lives it shall like we regards to these signs and wonders things that's why a lot of people that something happened in their life they didn't get an answer immediately they now be, begin to become anxious and they begin to not believe in miracles and all those things see there are a lot of things eh that actually require patience and perseverance, you have to stay there. <laughs> there a lot of things in this our Christian work that require patience and perseverance. You have to stay there. You can see that, this is my message, I'm not using a lot of anecdotal evidence. I want to stay on scripture, because there's a way anecdotal evidence can begin to skew you know, people's minds and they begin to believe in people's stories more than the God's word. You see, I'm staying with God's word. People that have worked in these things, they will tell you. There are a lot of these things that require um, um, patience. William J. Seymour, the man that started this whole thing that we are doing now, the man believed in speaking in tongues, and for like how many decades he could not speak in tongues himself. It was in Azusa Street that they invited him to minister, that he now started speaking in tongues. Months after they have been meeting. Why? I don't know. Because like I cannot say it does not have it. It's not from my mouth to hear yet. Somebody that's been praying for that people and they start speaking in tongues. Someone that taught people. He's open to God's the one that taught us. He himself did not start speaking in tongues immediately. There are a lot of things that require patience. If you lay hands on the sick person say, Person, no, you don't say uh, that's the end. We keep praying. We will keep praying. You say, I've been in a meeting, I've never had a lot of knowledge. What is your problem? Are you, is it for yourself? Did God say he did not do what, what he wanted to do in the people's life? If he did, it was your problem. When it's time for him to give it to you so that you can meet a need, it will show so you will stay there. You give yourself fully to these things. If you have a gift, you want to desire to teach God's word very well so that people can be convinced and everything. You will you stay there. You keep doing it. You cannot faint. Men ought always to pray and not to what? Faint. Keep these four things in mind. Good way God has delivered me from all this. You will you see, see things in your life and you will never feel under any pressure. That's what I'm saying to you. So you keep at it. You persevere. You keep praying. You keep praying. You keep praying. Receive what God has said and stay with it receive what God has said and stay with it receive what God has said and stay with it church out together let's bow our heads and let's pray this brings us to the end of this series let's pray I want you to pray for yourself wherever you are if you are online sh- sh- come and pray for me wherever you are I want you to pray for yourself see I, 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 I believe in you I believe in you I believe that God can actually use you. God can actually use you. God can actually use you. God can actually use you to do many great things. God can actually use you to do many great things. God can actually use you to do many great things. God can use you to do many great things. I want you to pray for yourself, pray for yourself, pray for yourself. I want you to pray for yourself. And pray for yourself.
1: Pray
0: for yourself. Alarizosona para rochosari elki revelis yatalla baranes orosaturamanos tiaraval yadikal el esto suroveno si te revelis mangerikane esta sobre cozara balias la su de revelacion yatara van desa breakitish desiveco da la Rosito Rovanusia, Taripecitis de Siviandala Cathilos, Loli Plastos of Vedo, Prostos of Vetara Manitius and Dari, Elvri Evelinis de Sivi Catoromanos, Mingataravalaschiti Velinis at
1: Avancoda Rani Satari Varani Satarevanus Saravatanus, O Rashotos Supura Catorovanustaz of Alucoris, Riki de Velishida Balastos Verecados. Jesus I thank you thank you for what you are doing in the lives of your people thank you Lord because they are going to do so many great things
0: thank you Lord because your power is going to flow in their lives your life your power is going to flow in their lives in the name of Jesus thank you Lord because a heart of true compassion for your people is stirred up thank you Lord because there's a refocusing of people that the power is not of us but of you in the name of Jesus Thank you, Lord, because we, we are able to stay patient, to so practice and to exercise until the end. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus,
1: Father, we give you praise. Jesus, we give you praise. Can we sing your love, your power?
0: right now. I want you to just believe in God. Lay hands on that child and receive their
1: healing. I want you to believe in God. Lay your hand on that child and receive their healing. God knew that this will happen ahead. That's why he's sending you this message at this time. Lay your hand on that child. Lay your hand on that child their healing and please share with us when you get your healing share with us send us a dm send us a message send us a message father we give you thanks to you be all the glory in
0: jesus name we have prayed amen hallelujah thank you for listening to this message we hope you were blessed for more updates on our programs and audio messages follow us on twitter facebook and Instagram at this excellent church. God bless you.